We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Daniel, I've got a question for you about aliens. Ooh, did you meet some aliens? Can you introduce me? I'd love to meet some aliens. Well, that's my question. Would you believe me if I just told you that I think there are aliens here on Earth? Well, are you joking or are you being serious? Well, I mean, would I joke about science? (laughs) Isn't that what this podcast is? You joking about science? (laughs) (laughs) Me? No, I don't think I joke about science. I think we uh, jostle science. Well, um, I think on a question of that magnitude, of that, you know, historical importance, I'd need to see some evidence. Really? You wouldn't trust me if I said, hey... I I met an alien, or I think I know who an alien is. <laughs> um, I have a lot of confidence in you, but I think, you know, I'd need to see some evidence on such a big claim. And, and don't take it personally. You know, I don't think I'd believe Stephen Hawking or Neil deGrasse Tyson or, you know, anybody on a question of such magnitude. Actually, those are the guys that I think are aliens. <laughs> okay, now you have me convinced. Hey, I'm the creator of PhD Comics and a cartoonist. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist and probably not an alien. Probably. Keep that in mind. (laughs) Who can really say for sure? And together we're the co-authors of the book, We Have No Idea, a guide to the unknown universe and the co-hosts of this podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe a production of iHeartRadio. That's right, the podcast in which we take you on a journey here and there and everywhere to wonder, where is their life? Who's thinking about the universe? Are we the only ones casting our minds out into the vast reaches of empty space, wondering who else is out there? Are we alone or is there somebody else out there thinking about the universe? I thought you were going to launch into a Dr. Seuss type 
of rhyme there. But <laughs> did Doctor Seuss write a book about aliens? <laughs> Maybe he was the alien. <laughs> Maybe that's why his books are so good. No, this is the podcast in which we tackle big questions with a Doctor Seuss sort of mindset, explaining things in simple words. That's right. All the places you'll go, all the places we'll take you. <laughs> oh, the tentacles you'll meet on aliens who come and visit. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, kind of, it, it, this podcast is a lot about our place in the universe, you know, right? And a, a big question is, are we alone? Are we the only ones thinking and having existential crises and having podcasts in this huge universe? It's an amazing question. And it's my favorite type of question, because no matter what the answer is, it's mind blowing, right? Like either... We're totally alone in the universe, trillions and trillions of stars and planets, and we're the only thinking technological creatures. That's incredible. What that means, I don't know, but spiritually, that's pretty important, right? Mm -hmm. Or we're not, and there are thinking aliens out there. Life began on other planets. Intelligence is possible in other areas. Like, that's incredible, and what we could learn from those folks. So... Either answer is incredible. And one day, I hope, humanity will know the answer. They will know whether we live in this universe where we're all alone or in that universe where we have neighbors. And they're going to look back and wonder like, wow, what was it like to live before we knew the answer to this really basic question? Yeah, they might wonder, how could you not know? Or how could you not expect there to be <laughs> other sentient life out there? Yeah, it's incredible. And so, but here we are living in the dark ages of human uh, knowledge, right? Not knowing whether we are alone and of course wondering. And so that's the kind of question that we wanted to ponder today. Are we alone in the universe? Yeah. Could there be somebody else out there? What does physics say about whether or not aliens could have come to visit? So today on the podcast, we'll be tackling the question... Why haven't aliens visited us or, you know, at least called us or DM'd <laughs> us or sent a text message at least, you know, something. <laughs> you know what? Maybe they're using Google Plus and they didn't realize it's been canceled. <laughs> that would be a tragedy. They were early adopters, but it worked against <laughs> them. Maybe Google, maybe the people at Google are the aliens. And they tried. That's right. They tried. That's right. And let's set some assumptions, right? Because you could talk about this question from lots of different angles. Mm -hmm. But I think we should make two assumptions. One, let's assume that there are aliens out there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean... Wait, 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 why do we have to assume it? <laughs> well, um, I don't know. Maybe I just prefer it, you know? It's hard for me to imagine that we live in a universe where we are the smartest things in the universe. You know, that's just difficult to accept. Well, I, I think this is the core of the, the paradox, you know, the question, you know, because, you know, we hear a lot from scientists and, uh, you know, science people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Stephen Hawking, perhaps, that, you know, the universe is so big and there's so many stars and so many galaxies out there that there must be life out there. But I think, you know, probably the everyday person listening to this might be thinking, but you know, why haven't we heard from them? You know, any kind of radio signal or probe or a visit or a postcard, something. Um, that's kind of the paradox, right? It's like, it, it seems like we should assume aliens exist, but uh, why haven't we heard from them? That's right. That's right. That's the, that's the other question. I think the, the second assumption we should make 
is that we haven't, right? Mm. There's a lot of talk. There are people who say they've seen UFOs and Navy pilots see weird stuff over the ocean. And there's this ridiculous documentary featuring Bob Lazar and his absurd claims about having worked in an alien, uh, you know, technology re-engineering uh, re base, um, but he has absolutely no evidence to back up any of these claims. So we could uh, dissect some of those claims, et cetera. But I think... Yeah, and it was in the Joe Rogan podcast too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Netflix paid money for it. Joe Rogan had this guy on. Mm. Um, but the guy has absolutely no evidence to back up any of his claims. So I think you can just put him in the same category as lots of other folks that have seen something weird, something they don't understand, and are maybe not reliable eyewitnesses. Right. Well, I think this is, this is kind of the question is, should you just believe someone who says they saw aliens? Does physics say it's impossible and therefore you should pay no attention to them? Or does physics say that it might be possible, in which case you maybe should think about it or look into it more closely? That's right. And that's the question we want to answer today is, is there a physics reason to say aliens could not have come visit, right? right? Does physics say it's possible for aliens to have found us or does physics say it's impossible? Right. And then you can take your own skepticism, if you like, to to listen to Bob Lazar's claims or the claims of anybody else who, who says they've been abducted by aliens, been experimented on by aliens, etc. Right. Um, but today we're going to focus on that question. Right. Could aliens have contacted us? Right, because it could be that it's impossible for aliens to have visited us or contact us, right? I mean, the universe is so vast and unpredictable that we, you know, it could be impossible for there to be other life out there and it could be impossible for them to ever reach us or get to us, right? That's right. And, and you're just thinking about it momentarily, like, you know, that space is vast, you know, that space is mostly empty, you know, even it, it takes us years to get even to the neighboring planet, right? If we got on a rocket ship and wanted to fly to Mars, that would take years. And so to get to a nearby star or to get to, you know, several to explore a space of stars that's a significant fraction of the galaxy, how long would that take? Is that possible? Is the galaxy just too big to explore? Uh, that's the kind of question we want to dig into today. Right. So uh, this is a question probably a lot of people maybe think about, at least in the back of their minds or entertained at least. You know, everyone has seen the Avengers movies. There are aliens <laughs> there in Star Wars. In the Avengers movies, though, like some of the aliens look like raccoons. <laughs> Which is... Uh, that would be weird. Maybe raccoons are like the central race of the, <laughs> the universe. The mold. Wait, wait, hold on. Are you saying we have been visited by aliens and they are eating our garbage? <laughs> Maybe it's a delicacy for them. <laughs> it's like a tourism. That would be a win-win, right? We meet aliens, uh -huh. we learn about the physics of, of, of the universe, uh -huh. and we find somebody to finally accept our recycling. <laughs> Perfect. We just have to put up with their um, <laughs> pooping in your yard or something. <laughs> That's right. And what if their trash is something we love, right? Like mm. they, tr they they poop out gold bars or something. Oh, or chocolate. <laughs> well, would you eat a chocolate bar <laughs> that an alien pooped out, Jorge? <laughs> well, you sort of do, right? I mean, um, chocolate, uh, cocoa beans are are fermented, right? So you're sort of eating uh, kind of bit, uh, the poop there of bacteria, right? Chocolate is fermented? What? I think, I think they ferment. Don't they ferment cocoa beans like they harvest them and then they lay them out in the sun and they rot a little and then they I could I could I could be saying physically impossible things <laughs> well um, I don't know about whether cocoa is fermented but you're right we do consume a lot of products 
that are fermented, which is basically the byproduct of microbial metabolism. Yeah. So we got cheese and bread and beer. We're definitely gobbling up microbial poop all the time. <laughs> and some of it's delicious. Yeah, and so we've totally not derailed this conversation. <laughs> uh, but back to aliens. Back to aliens. Back to aliens, exactly. And so I was wondering, what do people think about the possibility? Like, you know, not just aliens, but like, could we explore the galaxy? Say we're the aliens, mm. right? If we had sufficient technology, could we explore the galaxy? How would people do it? So I walked around campus at UC Irvine and I asked people that question. Not, do you think aliens have visited us? But what do you think is the best way to explore the whole galaxy? So think about it for a second. If you were in charge of NASA and or humanity, how would you direct people to explore the universe? That's right. You have an unlimited budget and unlimited time. What's the best way to, to visit every solar system and figure out if there are aliens there to find the raccoon home planet? Yeah, that's right. If you had an unlimited amount of raccoon gold poop, what would you do? <laughs> Here's what people had to say. Von Neumann probes? What is that? Uh, so it's the idea by Von Neumann by self rep replicating a robot so they you send them out in all directions and then they have the blueprint to replicate themselves uh, using raw materials they find and then send out other probes so you keep expanding the sphere so you can cover the galaxy probably in a few hundred thousand years or so and since we have like two mc square right so that would be the i remember someone told me that would be the best way to do that um through a telescope because it'll probably be impossible right since it's just so far away i don't know how physically we would be able to do that so just by viewing it through satellites or trying to get a really big telescope pretty much cool well i mean you could certainly try to visit them via telescopes or other means well i mean you need a rocket <laughs> i don't know uh geez that would take a long time i would assume that that would be like years and years and years <laughs> from now. Pack a lot of snacks, right? Yeah. <laughs> if there's a means of some kind of faster than light travel, it would be feasible. Otherwise, I feel like the it would just be near impossible to do that within a lifetime. All right. So, what do you think of people's answers? Uh, they, they all sound pretty pretty reasonable to me. I mean, um, somebody said you could use MC squared or two MC squared. Was that a is that a typo <laughs> or a small error? Is it a new theory? No, no. No, that's like, you know, maybe MC squared is not enough. So we've got to upgrade to the new theory of physics, which is 2MC <laughs> squared. I'm going to wait for 5MC squared to come out before I get my new physics. Do you, do you have to upgrade? Do you have to um, do you get new icons on your phone and everything? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every time a new theory of physics comes out, I have to get a new physics phone. It's because otherwise it runs too slow. No, um, there are some good ideas here. I mean, some people said like, Let's just use telescopes, right? Why do you have to go to every planet? Mm. And that was really intriguing. Um, and I guess it's true that if you had a really powerful telescope, if you could really image things like across the galaxy, right? That'd be one way to do it. But you know, you can't see the other side of the galaxy because the center of the galaxy is in the way, right? You can see the nearby stars. You can see the rest of the arm that we're on in the Milky Way. You can see the next arm over, mm -hmm. but the center of the galaxy is blocking us from the other side, right? Mm. It's like we're on one side of Manhattan and you want to look to see a little town on the other side of Manhattan. You're just not going to be able to see anything. Oh, I see. You're, I think that the idea is why should I go over to my neighbors and shake their hands to welcome them to the neighborhood when I could just spy on them with a telescope? 
it's, it's kind of <laughs> that's right exactly exactly and uh, and it's true that we're we're developing more and more impressive telescopes and we will soon be able to image planets around other stars which will be an incredible yeah. moment in the history of exploration yeah. i mean we can see uh, yeah. black holes right and we have seen planets around other stars, right? Like little blips. Right. We've detected their presence because of their gravitational effects and because they dim the light. But imaging those planets directly, like seeing the photons that come from those planets, so we can like tell, is it a cloudy atmosphere or is there blue water under it? You know, that kind of stuff. We're, we're not quite there yet, though, though that's going to come soon. But even still, even if you had incredible telescopes, there's a limit because you just can't see the rest of the galaxy from here because the mm. center of the galaxy is such a crazy blob. There's a black hole there, there's zillions of, right. of stars, there's gas and dust. So if you really wanted to be thorough, telescopes are not going to get you all the way around the galaxy. Mm. Well, also, would it be satisfying, you know, just to to see other ra- alien civilizations but not talk to them and or exchange information with them would that be satisfying not for me i mean if we used our telescopes and found an exoplanet that was fairly nearby you know tens of light years or something and we saw aliens there oh my gosh we'd have to send something we'd have to send a delegation because otherwise the conversation would take forever i mean say it's 20 light years away right then every step of the conversation is 40 years right they say huh and we say what you say, huh? And that's 60 years gone by, you know? Right. Um, so yeah. that would be crazy. That would be a pretty slow. If you looked in out your window and you saw your neighbors were having a huge raccoon party, <laughs> you can go over and knock on the door, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, I would send them a letter and wait 33 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, look, they have a chocolate fountain at that party. Let's go <laughs> on over there. <laughs> Um, but, but I think, you know, what the takeaway is that there are a lot of ways that we could explore the galaxy out there, right? We could be mm-hmm. seeing things out there or sending signals or sending probes or getting on ships and taking off and sending humans out there. And so if you flip it around, the question is kind of like, have other aliens done that or why haven't they done that? Yeah, exactly. Why haven't they done that? Because, again, we're assuming we have not been visited by secretive aliens that have taken over the government and are infiltrating um, the highest levels of power. Mm-hmm. We're assuming that nobody has come to visit. And so then the question is, why not, right? If the, li- if the galaxy is teeming with life, why have we not been visited or contacted? So I thought that the, the first question might be like, well, you know, why would they come here? Mm. You know, so... Um, how, how, what if they know that we're here? What if they hear one of our messages? Because, you know, we've been broadcasting television and radio for decades and decades. So it's possible that even without intentionally um, trying to contact aliens, that we've made our presence known. It's kind of like, why would they even come to Earth at all? Out of all the billions of planets, why would they come to ours? Besides the excellent trash that we have. <laughs> really five-star trash here i'm sure in the michelin guide to the galaxy earth ranks very high in the the quality of our garbage but yeah exactly and so i thought well we there is one way we've made ourselves known and that's through these messages Mm. through television and radio broadcasts oh i see so i thought well let's do a little calculation like is there time for those messages to have gone out into the galaxy been received by aliens and have them have a chance to come back and visit. Like, should we have expected to be visited because of the radio and TV broadcasts that we've been sending out inadvertently into space? Right. Or when can we expect people to hear our our 1950s television, right? 
<laughs> That's right. Exactly. And, you know, some of us have sent messages into space specifically, right? Like we use the Arecibo radio telescope to send a message back in response to the, the wow signal that we got in, in 77. That's very sporadic. Mostly, we've just been broadcasting random stuff and that just sends, goes out into, into interstellar space. So if you had a really fine telescope, you might pick it up. But of course, physics limits us, right? Those messages have not penetrated the whole galaxy. We've only been broadcasting for, a, you know, maybe 100 years. And so you imagine a sphere that's just 100 light years around centered at the Earth. That's a tiny, tiny fraction of the galaxy, which you remember is 100,000 light years across. Mm. So our, our radius of influence right now is pretty small. Like the, the idea that an alien heard us and then came to visit us and we haven't noticed, it, it seems unlikely because who there's nobody could have heard our message yet so far. Well, that was the question I had is how many, how many planets are there out there that could have heard our message and had a chance to build a ship and come visit us? So I did a little bit of calculation and I said, well, what if, you know, how fast could they get here? Let's not assume that they have faster than light travel, right? Let's use physics. So assume that they travel at like half the speed of light, which seems pretty reasonable. Which is pretty fast. That's still pretty fast, right? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty zippy. So then if we have a hundred years since we broadcast the first message, then sort of the outer shell of that sphere would actually be like 33 light years away right? People a hundred light years away, they're just now getting the messages we sent a hundred years ago. So we could expect to see them in 200 years. Oh, but I the see. ones 33 light years away, they got the message 66 years ago. So in principle, they could have gotten on a ship immediately, pointed it in our direction, been traveling at half the speed of light for 66 years and arrived today. Right. Meaning like uh, they were ready to go. Yeah. They had the, the car warmed up in the garage, the spaceship warmed up. They're like, oh, we got a signal. <laughs> right. Let's go. That's right. Maybe they have like a trash crisis on their planet. They're like, we desperately need more trash. And then, you know, they hear our message and they're like, aha, this is what we were waiting for. And then they just head out to, to do a trash run. They're like, this Dick Van Dyke guy is super hilarious. Let's go meet him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's sort of the sphere of possibility. Anybody within 33 light years could have heard our messages and had time, you know, given some assumptions that they have the technology, that they're interested, etc., to come and visit us. So then... That, that seems kind of small, 33 light years. It does seem kind of small, I mean, compared to the galaxy. But so then I thought, well, how many how many planets are there out there? And so I actually looked up how many stars there are within a certain number of light years. And I did a calculation. And what did you find? It turns out that there's a, a few hundred stars within that sphere, right? And we know that about 20% of stars have an Earth-like planet. Now, that depends exactly on the kind of star, but let's be generous. So ballparking it, you know, and this is what we do in physics. We're just like trying to get the answer to within a factor of five or ten. <laughs> that's, Ballpark. that's precision physics right there. <laughs> well, you well, know, eventually you, you know, need precision physics. <laughs> you're made out of uh, quarks, plus or minus right, seven right. magnitudes Oh, did you say, oh, you $10? Here's $2. That's you know, <laughs> pretty close, close right? <laughs> close enough. Um, did you say it was going to cost $10 billion? Oops, it cost $100 billion. Sorry. No, um, in physics, we do this a lot. We say, well, we don't know. This is a really hard problem. We don't know the answer precisely. Can we get a rough estimate of it? You know, can mm -hmm. we figure out, you know, to within a factor of two or five-ish, uh, roughly what the back answer Back of the is. envelope. And back of the envelope, exactly. And so approximately 50 is the answer. Mm. We expect there to be about 50 Earth-like planets in that sphere 
where our messages have had time to arrive and there's been time for them to turn around and come visit us. Interesting. 50 seems, uh, it's a reasonable number, isn't it? Like if you had 50 Earths, you know, surely some of them might have people on them and listening. That's exactly the question. We don't know. We don't know what fraction of Earth-like planets have life on them. Is it 100%? Is it one in 50? Is it one in 50 trillion? Or is it one over infinity, right? Mm. As in only Earth. Mm. And so the fascinating thing about doing these measurements is that we've learned something. We know it's not 100%, right? Because there are 50 planets out there that have received our messages and had time to come and they haven't. So that means that the rate at which Earth-like planets have intelligent technological aliens that are interested in visiting us is less than one in 50. Say that again. What's the statistic? There are 50 planets out there uh-huh. that have received our messages. 50 Earth-like planets have received our messages. Mm-hmm. And none of them have come to visit us. So that means that the rate at which Earth-like planets have technological aliens that are interested in visiting us and willing to take the trip is less than one in 50. Uh, uh, that's assuming that someone would get the signal, jump on a rocket ship and come over. Yeah, exactly. Right. So with all those assumptions, the answer is, is you know, less than one in 50. So oh, that starts to answer the question, right? We know it's not 100%. We know that not every Earth-like planet out there has technological aliens desperate to visit us. Oh, I see. You're flipping it around a little bit, right? You're, you're using these back-of-the-envelope calculations to say, you know, if we are going to get visited by aliens, that means that they jumped on a ship when they heard us and came to look for us. And so if we haven't already... That means that probably none of these 50 planets have such a civilization. Exactly. Mm. If if every single Earth-like planet out there had trash-eating raccoons desperate to visit us, then they would have come because there's been time for them to do it. Oh, so I because see. we haven't been visited, mm. therefore, not every Earth-like planet is filled with technologically advanced trash-eating raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> or other, you there know, <laughs> animals. The yes, or other similar aliens. Oh. And, you know, there's there's a sequence of assumptions built into there, right? They have to be technological. They have to use radio. They have to be interested, right? Oh, um, I see. They have to be willing, all these things. But we have learned something, right? We have learned something about what aliens are not out there. Right. Oh, I see. So we're ruling out sort of a class of aliens based on what hasn't happened yet. That's right. Right. That's right, exactly. Okay. And every year that number gets uh, smaller, right? Because every year our radio waves go out further. And every year that means there are, every year that we don't have aliens visit us means that it's less likely that there are aliens like that. Exactly. Every year we don't get visited. If next year they arrive, then boom, the number goes up, right? <laughs> <laughs> two in a exactly. hundred. <laughs> every year that we, that, that our sphere of influence expands without being contacted, then we know we we have a better and lower estimate of the rate at which there are, again, technological, intelligent aliens interested and willing um, to come and visit that, us. That are answering and, and our Any call. of those assumptions, right? It could be that all those planets have aliens, but they're not intelligent. Or they're intelligent, but they're not technological. Or they're intelligent and technological, but they're snobs. And they're just not interested right. in coming to visit us, right? Right. Or sometimes, you know, people have like 47,000 emails in their inbox and they just can't. Wait, are we talking about aliens now? <laughs> We're talking about you. <laughs> I'm just saying, sometimes <laughs> it happens, you know? It's, it's a totally human thing to... Well, what I like is that you're already empathizing with the aliens, you know? <laughs> You're reaching out, you're saying, I get you, I, get I understand. You. Right? I, have a, I have a full <laughs> inbox too. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. Anyway, so that's the sort of scenario if they hear our messages. Oh, I see. But what I, if they don't? You know, like, yeah, we, it doesn't have to be that they hear our messages. It could be that they're like Star Trek. They're just out there exploring. You know, they don't have to necessarily know we're here to stumble across us. Oh. All right, let's get into another type of alien which might find us just randomly, right? That's what you're saying. They're just out uh, yeah. out and about and they find us. So what are the like what's the <laughs> likelihood that they'll stumble upon us like Columbus stumbled upon the Native Americans? <laughs> which is a great if, scenario if we, if, for us, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for lots of reasons, because of how well that went for the Native Americans. But also if they arrive and they happen to look just like us, then that would be quite interesting. Yeah. All right, let's get into that. But first, let's take a quick break. It's season three of The Joy of Why, and I still have a lot of questions. Like, what is this thing we call time? Why does altruism exist? And where is Jan 11? I'm here, astrophysicist and co-host, ready for anything. That's right, I'm bringing in the A-team. So brace yourselves. Get ready to learn. I'm Jan 11. I'm Steve Strogatz. And this is... Quantum Magazine's podcast, The Joy of Why. New episodes drop every other Thursday, starting February 1st. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. All right, we're talking about aliens and how likely they are to have visited us. So now we're exploring the scenario of uh, what are the chances that aliens have uh, could have or could stumble upon us, meaning they're out and about exploring the galaxy and they're like, oh, hey, here's a planet with some cute little um, water bags that move around and have podcasts. <laughs> exactly. And there's sort of two competing things going on from the physics point of view. On one hand, 
The galaxy is huge. It's 100,000 light years across. It has billions and billions of stars. So it seems sort of unimaginable to be able to explore, to check every solar system, right? On the other hand, the galaxy is very old. So even though the speed of light limits how fast you can zoom between stars, there's a lot of time. You know, our galaxy is almost as old as the universe. Right. So you're saying that um, we should take the time dimension into account too. Not just how big space is, but how old it is also makes it more, we were saying it makes it more likely that we'll get visited. Yeah, exactly. Because there's been a lot of time. So the galaxy has been around for, you know, more than 10 billion years. Um, though our planets only existed for, you know, four and a half billion. But even just take a few billion years, like that's a lot of time to explore the galaxy. The galaxy is 100,000 light years across, but it's been around for billions of years. So even though you have the speed of light, it's not actually that impossible to explore the entire galaxy. So I thought, well, what if you have an alien ship and you wanted to do that and you wanted to go from star to star and explore every single solar system in the galaxy how long would that take? Wow. How long would it take for you to check off all the boxes? Like if you're an, an alien and you have OCD, how long and you wanted to visit every single star because you're you're like an intense tourist, how long would it take you? <laughs> That's right. You have the ultimate bucket list. And um, <laughs> a bucket of and stars. So I thought, well, yeah, how long would that take? And and then I thought, well, let's not visit every single star. Maybe these folks are out hunting for aliens. Mm. So let's have them only visit stars that have Earth-like planets. So that cuts it down by a factor of five. So now you have 50 billion stars in the Milky Way to visit. That's the fraction we think have Earth-like planets. Oh, I see. They would only You would only pick stars you think might have life on them. Yeah, exactly. Because we're interested in being contacted by aliens that we can talk to and learn physics from and, you know, share uh, the experience of being alive in this universe. And so you could be totally wide open to lots of different kinds of life. And I'm a huge fan of that. I'm imagining like life in the core of stars, whatever. But, you know, life that we can talk to and interact with and have a chance to be technologically similar to probably going to come from Earth-like planets. Okay, so how long would it take us? Yeah, how long would it take? Well, um, the average distance between Earth-like planets is about 10 or 11 light years. Mm. Right? The average distance between stars is about four-ish light years. But there are, not every star has an Earth-like planet, so it's about 10 or 11 light years between Earth-like planets. Oh. And so again, assuming you can travel at half the speed of light, it takes you know, something like 20, 25 years to go from one to the other. Oh, I see. And that's assuming that you sort of search efficiently, right? Like you have a, a pretty good path to get them all. Yeah, exactly. You start from one center and you sort of spiral outwards. And, you know, there's some additional geometrical complications there because, um, but but there are paths to explore the galaxy where you don't have to do a lot of backtracking. And even if you do, that's not a huge factor, you know, and again, that's a factor of two maybe. And we're just interested in sort of generally getting this answer right. Okay. And so, of course, you're going to get end up with a big number, right? You've got 50 billion solar systems with Earth-like planets. Each one takes 20 years to visit. <laughs> and so... You know, you're talking trillions of years. Right. Just in our galaxy. Just for our galaxy. Right. And, you know, you might imagine aliens in other galaxies, but the distance between galaxies is ginormous oh. compared to the size of the galaxy. And so that's, you know, basically totally impractical without wormholes. Oh, so that's why I was focusing on just our galaxy. So, so a single ship would take, you know, order trillions of years to explore the galaxy. Uh, assuming, um, you meaning like if you're in Captain Picard on the Starship Enterprise, and you wanted to explore every possible 
planet that might have life on this galaxy. It would take you trillions of years. Yeah, exactly. It would take you much longer than the age of the galaxy. Oh. So even if you started when the galaxy was born, you were like the first intelligent race in the galaxy and you started exploring in 10 billion years, you wouldn't have visited a significant fraction of the galaxy. You know, so it could certainly be what we, that what that means is it could be that there is an alien Picard out there, studiously visiting every solar system in the galaxy. Well, Patrick Stewart is an is an alien also, but let's not get into that. <laughs> he also seems to be about a trillion years old. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he looks great. I want to be that sexy when I'm a trillion. Yeah, totally. But you know, so that means there could be an alien ship out there exploring the galaxy, and it's reasonable that it hasn't visited the Earth yet. Mm. All right, that's interesting. But then you can start to play the numbers game. You can say, well, what if there are a thousand ships? What if there are a million ships? What if there are a billion aliens out there, right? Oh, I see. And, and you can do these calculations for, for lots of different ships. Oh, I see. Not that an alien would make a billion ships, but let's say that each of the billions of alien races out there made one ship to explore, surely one of them would have hit us by now or found us. Yeah, exactly. So if there, I did the numbers and if you have a billion exploring alien ships, you know, then it just takes, it takes about a thousand years to explore the whole galaxy. Wow. Right? Yeah, because, you know, that's lots of ships. And so what does that tell you? Well, we've been around for a thousand years. If aliens had come and made themselves known in the last thousand years, we would certainly be aware of that. Um, and so what that tells you is there are not a billion alien exploring ships. And again, you know, these are aliens that are interested in visiting us and would make themselves known when they arrive. Right. Put aside the question of have they visited and the government is covering it up, et cetera, et cetera. But what if they came while we weren't ready, you know? Like what if they came, knocked on the door, we weren't ready or maybe even existent because humans have only been around for like, you know, a couple of tens of thousands of years, right? Yeah, that's a great question. The time dimension is a great one. But here's the thing is that a billion ships can explore the galaxy every thousand years. Mm. And so if you're out there looking for aliens, you might like check on a planet and loop back, right? And say like, okay, well, you know, I got this one billionth of the galaxy to sort of patrol. I'm going to come back every thousand years and say, you know, are there aliens yet? I mean, are there, is there intelligence yet? And oh. so every thousand years, a billion ships can visit every planet in, in the galaxy. Interesting. So you're saying and that so, maybe they, they could have come a thousand or tens of thousands of years ago, but then said, oh, you know, the trash is not quite ripe yet. Let's come back <laughs> exactly. when they're totally abusing their environment. <laughs> and, exactly. And throwing out prime trash. Yeah, exactly. And the, the time dimension has a lot of complications. You know, did they come when we couldn't recognize them? Are they about to come? This sort of stuff. Mm. But a billion ships would have come, you know, every thousand years or so. Oh. And then you can crank the numbers down and say, okay, well, there's definitely not a billion ships because then we'd be visited every thousand years and we certainly would have noticed that. You know, but if there were a million ships, what if there were a million ships exploring the galaxy? And so I have the numbers here. That would take, you know, about a million years. So a million ships would take about a million years to explore the whole galaxy. And so then you can wonder like, well, if aliens came here a million years ago, would they have stuck around? Would they have like left us a note saying, hey, uh, when you get it together and figure out technology, here's how to contact us or here's what to do or something. Or maybe they just figure, oh, we'll come back in another million and see what's going on. Or maybe they did stick around and they are us. <laughs> That's right. We are the aliens. And so this gets harder, but you can also do the same trick where you invert it. You can say, well, look, I'm pretty sure there are not a billion alien ships exploring the galaxy, right? 
Uh, we can't really say there aren't a million, though, right? There could be a million alien ships exploring the galaxy, and they would only get to Earth every million years or so. Mm. And so it certainly could be that there are a million aliens out there exploring the galaxy, looking for us, but they came by a million years ago and we weren't ready. Right. And again, you're assuming that the, you're, you're ruling out a class of aliens that would be interested in us or let, making themselves known, right? Like what if they're just yes. looking for, you know, raccoon gold poop and they, they don't see it here and so they keep going? Yeah, exactly. Ruling out aliens that, that don't make themselves known or stay hidden or just come by and steal the, you know, heavy metals they're particularly interested in and move on. Mm. Okay. All right. So that that helps narrow it down a little bit. Yeah, exactly. That helps narrow it down. It's like exploring the kind of ways they could see us and does physics limit us? And it turns out that, you know, physics doesn't really limit us because while the galaxy is large, there's there's been a lot of time to do this exploration. So if you have enough ships, you certainly can visit every solar system in the galaxy in not a significant fraction of the age of the galaxy, which is billions of years. Yeah. Well, there is a way you were telling me that it shoots that number up super high and, and makes it super likely that we would have been contacted by aliens, um, which is a pretty interesting idea. And then we can get into, have they been here at all? But first, let's take another quick break. It's season three of The Joy of Why, and I still have a lot of questions. Like, what is this thing we call time? Why does altruism exist? And where is Jan 11? I'm here, astrophysicist and co-host, ready for anything. That's right, I'm bringing in the A-team. So brace yourselves. Get ready to learn. I'm Jan 11. I'm Steve Strogatz. And this is... Quantum Magazine's podcast, The Joy of Why. New episodes drop every other Thursday, starting February 1st. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
Okay, so I think we can sort of rule out that there are billions of aliens out there that have heard us and want to visit us or that even are out there exploring and want to say hi to us. Um, just from the, the fact that we haven't been contacted by them sort of rules out that uh, there are a whole lot of them out there ready to do that. But you're saying there's another way that we could explore or they could explore the galaxy that we should have seen by now. That's right. And the idea is... You want a lot of ships because you there are a lot of stars. And it's sort of awkward to build all of those ships like here on Earth. Say we wanted to do this, this um, exploration. We want to take this task on. Building a billion ships from Earth sounds kind of hard. Build them one at a time. So there's a, a famous idea by von Neumann. So Neumann probes. And he said, well, what if we build a few ships and those ships build more ships? So essentially you send out a ship which then finds a planet, uses the raw materials on that planet to assemble a shipbuilding factory, right? So now one ship builds a factory that makes more ships, right? Mm. It's sort of the way like rats fill up a city. You don't have one mama rat have a billion babies, right? She has 10 babies and those 10 babies have 10 babies and those 10 babies have 10 babies and pretty soon you got a billion rats. Right, Can I, or like viruses, right? Like they... They invade a cell and they use the cell to replicate. Exactly. Just like a virus. So we should be the virus. <laughs> yeah, rats and viruses. This is not not favorable, <laughs> not favorable analogies here. Yeah. Well, um, and that's the idea. And you know, that might seem like, what is that crazy? It's it's a little crazy, but it's it's sort of weirdly not that far off technologically. I mean, we have factories now that are mostly stocked with robots. Robots can build cars. So can robots build themselves? I don't think that's too far off. Uh. Um, the tricky thing is, you know, landing on a planet, finding those resources, mining them. But you don't even need to land on planets. Like asteroids we know are filled with valuable materials, oh. iron and, and all sorts of heavy metals that you might need to, to build these things. So imagine that we can do that. And, you know, I would estimate we're maybe 100, 200 years away from being able to do that. You launch just one of those things it launches five more, they launch five more, very quickly you get up to millions and millions of ships exploring the galaxy. Right. You do the calculation, it doesn't take very long to explore the entire galaxy. So, so you have like a satellite orbiting every single Earth-like planet in the entire galaxy within tens of thousands of years. Wow. You can go viral. Yeah, that's exactly, we go viral. So that's fascinating, right? Uh -huh. um, now, there's another question like, are these crude probes or uncrewed? I don't want to say manned because, you know, there'd be men or women on them. You know, I don't know that we want to send people on these things and then have those people have kids and then put those babies on the ships yeah. to explore. On a mission you know, to just make more ships and more people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know that we want people to go viral. So imagine we're just sending probes, right? Then those probes could send a message back to Earth if they do find something. Mm. But uh, again, you can flip it around. You can say, well, Shouldn't aliens have thought of this idea? Um, right. Aliens, you know, if we're pretty close technologically to being able to do this, aliens probably would be also, given the billions of years that the galaxy has been around. Right. And yet, no self-replicating probes have landed on Earth. Oh. And so that's kind of disappointing. If you can have this viral uh, exploration scenario, then you would, might have even more than a million probes out there. You could have billions of probes out there. Eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Within a, within a certain number of years. It grows pretty quickly. Yeah, you can go from millions to billions um, pretty quickly. 
And so you would expect somebody else to have this idea. And frankly, for the galaxy to be filled with these things. Right. And yet it's not. And yet it's not. Which means what? We can put a pretty hard limit. That means like there are no alien species in our galaxy that have had this idea and done it. Not even one. It would take only one to fill the galaxy and completely explore it. Wow. Well, it seems like a pretty crazy idea, doesn't it? Why would you even do that? Just just to reach out out there into the the universe, I guess. Yeah, because we want to know, right? Like, I want to know if any Earth-like planet in the galaxy has life. So, I mean, if we have the technology to do this, oh my God, I would send that probe out tomorrow. Oh, Absolutely. Interesting. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, it would cost a lot of money, wouldn't it? The, the R&D would cost a lot, you know, to figure out how to get a ship to build a copy of itself, to build a ship-making factory. Yeah. But once you send it out, then it doesn't use any more resources, right? It builds more of itself based on what it finds out there. It's like viral marketing, right? It's pretty cheap to launch and pretty effective. Right, right. So, but you're saying the fact that we haven't seen these sort of rules out that there are aliens who would have this idea and the resources yeah. and the smarts. Yeah, exactly. The fact that, that it, we haven't seen them, that it has, doesn't seem to have happened, means that there's nobody else out there who had this idea and did it, right? right? And, and would make themselves known. Maybe, maybe we, they have come to our solar system, but they just reported back and moved on. Perhaps. But, you know, if they came to our solar system before they moved on, they would need to build more ships, right? And so they'd have to, like, build a ship-making factory somewhere. And if, if they landed on Earth and, and mined the Earth to make a ship-making factory, I think we would see signs of that. Or, I mean, it could be they're out somewhere in the asteroid belt and they, like, mined an asteroid and, and then left. But, you know, if the idea is you could leave a probe in every solar system, sort of sitting there orbiting Earth-like planets, waiting for intelligence to crop up. Mm. And so it should still be here. And we certainly would have found it if there was a probe orbiting the Earth from that was not terrestrial. Oh, well, that's such an interesting exercise, you know, to think about how it's possible to get contacted by aliens and then flip it around and say, well, if we that the fact that we haven't been contacted means that we can rule out these possibilities. Yeah, and frankly, that's the thing that dampens my enthusiasm the most. Like, I'm a big believer that there could be aliens out there that are technological and worth talking to. But the fact that none of them have sent, have had this idea and sent probes that visit Earth, that makes me doubt. That makes me wonder, like, hmm. Maybe we are alone in the galaxy because surely somebody else would have had this idea. It's not such a brilliant idea that only humans would have come up with it. Right. So frankly, that that um, that bums me out a little bit. You're saying you believe physics more than you believe Joe Rogan. (laughs) I believe the physics more than I believe Bob Lazar. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's sort of the conclusion we set out to explore is that Basically, you're saying physics says that it is not impossible for us to get contacted by other intelligent species, right? You're saying that that's right. it's totally possible and there are many ways that they could do it. And there are many ways they could have heard us and come visit us or there are many ways that they could be out there exploring the star, you know, checking off their bucket list and OCD <laughs> um, compulsions to, to visit every star. And, and the fact that we haven't, um, maybe tells you a little bit about how alone we are in the galaxy. Exactly. And so I think buried in the, in the physics message, there's the reason for hope, right? Yeah. It's possible to go across the stars and to find aliens. And then there's also reason for a disappointment. Um, physics isn't the reason why we haven't been contacted. 
And so you have to think about other reasons why maybe the aliens are just so alien. They heard our message, but didn't, didn't understand it. Mm. Or maybe they came here and saw us and weren't interested, you know? So there are lots of ways, <laughs> there are right. lots of ways this could happen, right? Bl blame your breath. Don't blame physics. <laughs> That's right. It's probably your fault. <laughs> it's, not, it's not physics. It is you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But uh, this is a really fun kind of calculation. Think about what's possible to do back of the envelope calculations. None of the calculations we did here today are precise. They're all approximate. They could be wrong by a factor of 10. Um, but, you know, it gives us an idea. And, and that's the kind of thing that I, that I stay up late wondering about when I'm camping and I'm looking up in the stars and I'm wondering who else is out there. Um, and my physics brain gets engaged and tries to give me a reason for why they haven't yet contacted us and made themselves known. Well, I stay up late wondering, how do I stop these raccoons from going through my trash? <laughs> and, uh, and why would you? Because your trash is their chocolate. <laughs> All right. Well, um, hopefully that gives you some solace that maybe we are alone in the universe. But hey, Daniel, at least you still have physics. That's right. And chocolate. And gold poop, possibly. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. See you next time. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Thanks for listening, and remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B &B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.